0: coming up on squats and margaritas
1: it has been a really rough road and i think you know from the public eye somebody that has done you know so well in the physique sport you go oh she she mustn't struggle with food you know she looks like great she's in this great shape you know she comes across like she's pretty healthy and on the inside for years i was in like Psychological turmoil and I was terrified to
2: share it.
0: Hey senorita, really nice to meet ya.
2: Have some tequila and stay. Oh. This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's clinical dietitian, coach, trainer, Holly Baxter Norton. She's a figure competitor. She's married to Lane Norton, bio Lane on Instagram. She is very candid about her eating disorder past. Um, we have a lot of things in common: firstborn, Type A perfectionist who took things a little too far, and it turned into eating disorders. She's sharing her story, talking about why we should put muscle on our body, and motivating women to make the most of their time and effort when it comes to diet and fitness. Please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode and you'll get an alert when a new episode drops. Here is my episode with Holly Norton. Obviously you're in sick shape. You have a Thank husband, you. you have multiple brands, and I want to know how you balance all the things. But just preparing for this interview, I learned how much you and I have in common oh, um, really? <laughs> growing up like obsessed with sports, type A perfectionist, mm-hmm. which sounds like driven is like a positive thing, but then it can like take a left into eating disorder territory. Yes. And I struggled for 20 years. I read that you struggled for 15. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk about like that time of your life? Like when the eating disorder mess kind of sparked for you?
1: Yeah. So it uh, all started, I think probably when I was about 15 or 16 years old. So um, I can say up until that point, I had, no thoughts about food is certainly not in a negative way. I think we were kind of given enough flexibility as kids, you know, we had takeout on the weekends and it wasn't until I got to, uh, I guess my sporting a higher level of sport that, things started to go downhill. And I can remember very clearly um, one of the comments, I think that um, set me off. And it was like everything after that, it was like a snowball effect. And it really just proliferated and um, became so much worse than it needed to be. So um, I was training under um, a gentleman, uh, I better not say his name, (laughs) but uh, he he basically coached um, uh, several uh, Olympians, Australian Olympians track athletes. one in particular that some of you may may know, uh, Kathy Freeman. So she actually won the 400 meters, um, gold medal, um, in, uh, I think it was 2000. Um, and anyway, she was kind of the, the the person or the figure that my coach would refer all the girls back to like, she's really, yeah, a lot of comparison first off. So, you know, as a woman, like straight away, like, and who compares like what man for that matter, you know, comes in and then, you know, he's the one that's pointing it out. So here you've got this, um, you know, mentor, your coach, you know, somebody that you as a child, and really you are at age 14, 15, you are a child, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, is uh, making you compare yourself to this. And then the specific thing that was said was, hey, you know, um, uh, have you considered maybe losing a little bit of weight? Um, You know, if we look at Kathy, she's, you know, very muscular. She doesn't have a whole lot of extra fat mass. Um, I, and I, I know where it was coming from, but again, language is so important (laughs) and, you know, he could have said this in a completely different way that wouldn't have sparked an eating disorder. Um, but you know, he said it'll, it'll improve your performance. You know, if you've got, you know, extra fat mass, you're not going to be as fast. We want muscle. You need to be lean. And, you know, for me, that was, that was it. That was the, the one comment that, you know, everything started to change. So, um, It has been a really rough road. And I think, you know, from the public eye, um, for myself as somebody that has done, you know, so well in the physique sport, Mm -hmm. um, and certainly on in the earlier years, you go, oh, she she mustn't struggle with food. You know, she looks like great. She's in this great shape. You know, she comes across like she's pretty healthy. And on the inside, for years, I was in like, psychological turmoil and I was terrified to share it yes. and I thought especially you know by the time I'd gotten to college I'd already done an uh, undergraduate nutrition food science degree then I was doing my master's and that was kind of when it was at its worst because you know during that stressful time of my life you know teenage years going into early adulthood um, I didn't know how to cope with my emotions. I had never been, um, example that by my, my parents, my dad was very introverted, very quiet, not really around very much. Uh, and then my, my mom, she just, you know, she, she kind of didn't give me that unconditional love. So, you know, I just really struggled to, you know, know who I was, how to communicate and I just bottled it all up. And my, my only form of comfort was food. Yes. Um, and I didn't feel like I had support from anywhere else. It was like, well, I'll, this food, it gives me a quick, Oh, you know, that tastes really nice. You get excited about it. You try something new mm-hmm. and yeah, that just became my, my coping coping strategy. And yep. it
2: continued for years. Like you said, 15 years and 20 for you by the sounds of it. Yeah. 16 to 36. Thank you so much for saying it out loud because that is exactly what I want the show to be. Why I did the show because when I was struggling I didn't know anyone else, Mm. the shame of it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't ever tell anybody what I was doing. I didn't even get treatment, Holly, because Uh. just because of the shame, because I was Mm -hmm. like, if I get treatment, everybody's going to know. And I was so just like about this image, like in high school, I was homecoming queen and prom queen and (gasps) like captain of the soccer team. And I had to uphold that. And I was like, if anybody Uh knew what was really happening, (laughs) so you take it all in and you, the shame of it, you don't share it. So anyone that's maybe listening to this now still in it, this mess looks at somebody like you. And is like, wow, like her too. And you can come out of it. And it is what you said earlier, someone that looks like you, you think, oh my God, she's always looked like that. She's always had it together. But I swear the women that are doing what we do now in the wellness space, it's because we've all come through something and now we're trying to help other women.
1: Exactly. And I think one of the things that really stood out to me kind of when I first popped onto the social platforms, um, mind you, I've been around and you probably as well <laughs> since we're showing our age, since like at the AOL days, you know, uh-huh. MySpace, my the <laughs> yes. old dial-up. So, you know, yes. back, back then, like the only point of reference that you really had to anybody outside like your circle of friends was like what you'd see in the magazines. I mean, I used to read like Cosmopolitan and Dolly <laughs> and all these, all these yeah. other ones. And then you would see, you know, people on TV TV and models but you just didn't hear about it you didn't get the substance you didn't really get the background and then it was almost like um no one really knew what you were allowed to say. And I know for me, when like I was when I grew up, um, I think my my way of getting some affection, getting some love, um, feeling cared for, supported was um, conditional. And that was based on me doing well, performing Mm -hmm. for someone else, um, upholding a standard. You talked about, you know, worrying about what other people think and oh, my God, they might judge me. And so I I grew up where performance and being the best and having like perfection, um, that was the only option. There was nothing else. And if I didn't, I was a failure. And, you know, it was
2: like um, frowned upon or certainly um, felt, that's how it felt to me. That's what I was going to say. Was it self-imposed? Like I felt that way too. Like I held myself to this standard, like this Mm -hmm. unachievably high standard. But when I think about it, it was like, no one was saying that I had to, it was me. It was completely self-imposed.
1: Right. But but then it's not supported by so, so, um, society on the other end of the spectrum either. So it's not like we had people necessarily going, oh, you need to be this way. Um, it's It was the lack of the other that yes. kind of kept you stuck in this feeling. Um, it was like you were too afraid to step out of that. So when I started posting a bit more regularly and kind of realized, hey, like I need to talk about this. I was terrified I and you know yeah. and, and and at that point like I was kind of already established. I had already had a business. I'd already done multiple bodybuilding shows and I'm like, "Guys, this is really scary. What <laughs> yeah. the what is everybody going to think of me?" Yeah. Um but you know, the more I shared and the more transparent I was about um you know, the the inner uh, troubles that I had, the more people were like, "Thank you for being so real. Thank yeah. you for sharing" It's just like, you, you are the person that made me think about this and now I got
2: help or yes. yeah. I'm like, That's Oh what, gosh, I know it's a whole, like the DMS that you get. That's like, you're the first person I told that I was bulimic. And I'm like, Oh my mm-hmm. God. It's like, and if you've shown me, you can come out of it. But I always, mm-hmm. you have all the letters next to your name and you have like all the certification. <laughs> like I feel like such like imposter syndrome. Why uh, I have people like you come on to talk about it when I figured out and we'll get into it. Like how it's not cardio seven days a week and barely Mm -hmm. eating. It's Mm -hmm. actually putting muscle on your body and eating more. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But when I say it, it's like, who are you like this 40 year old mom that doesn't have any background, but I'm like, Oh, I have done the research. Like I have been a bulimic anorexic. I've done every diet. And it's like, for me, what started for me, it was sport in high school, like thin, like meant good for soccer like thin, if I was thinner, I'd be faster. Like you said, so mm-hmm. soccer was the only thing that mattered to me, like that my performance and playing college soccer and if I had to be skinny mm-hmm. and that's what I thought. Like, and mm-hmm. then I got so skinny that like my coach was like, you can't, your crosses aren't strong anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you're in it. Then I started eating and then I found exercise bulimia where I would like, mm-hmm. count down every calorie. Yeah, and compens- I mean, immediately Holly, like 300 calories, Three hundred calories on the elliptical, like it's uh, such a mental, like disorder. It's a mental mm-hmm. um, illness. Mm-hmm. And in college, I played Division one college soccer. I ended up just like depressed and found actual bulimia. Uh, and I have been through all of that to come out on the other end and say I have found another way. Mm-hmm. I'm and I share. I basically wanted to. I wrote a book to like help women, um, basically the things that I found, like what I just said, lifting heavier, it's not all about cardio eating more often, stop starving Mm. yourself. But I had a writing coach and she's like, are you a trainer? Like, are you a nutritionist? And I'm like, no, (laughs) she's like, why would anyone listen to you? And she's like, if there's a story that got you to this point, you have to share it. And I was like, Oh my God, no, no, no. Like I wasn't ready to tell anyone. And then finally Mm. I wrote it and I felt lighter Mm -hmm. and I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do now. And I still my message is like to the woman working out and not seeing results, but mm-hmm. because I talked about my eating disorder path, like that's the people that mm-hmm. I, I want to say mentor, but like those are the messages I got.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, you touched on something that is uh, really important. And, you know, I think credentials is, uh, I guess, in our field and certainly where I come from, from a nutrition exercise science, you know, evidence-based, that is something that is really important. And I think part of the trouble is there are so many people out there now that have a voice and it's one of the few things that everybody in the world does everybody eat? So we've all got an opinion. Um, And unfortunately there are more people with a negative opinion and that are inaccurate than there are good for the most part. And, or people's uh, integrity, honesty, um, or intelligence um, is lacking. And, you know, they're happy to continue to tell a story that doesn't actually fit with any kind of evidence. And to me, what it sounds like you've experienced is something that falls in line with a lot of the research, your experiences are and have been documented. And then you coming out of all of this, you can go, Hey, I know that I was not qualified in this, but I can tell you here are the things that were successful for me. And if we go and do, you know, a randomized control trial, uh, we're probably going to get the same kinds of findings. So um, it's nice to get that extra bit of support. And I know um, my husband actually is about to start writing a book uh, with a celebrity who has come from the other side, like 600 plus pounds, uh, addicted to cocaine, um, alcoholic, Um, you know, trying to make it big time in the movie, only what he was big time. Um, And he's found, you know, flexible dieting, lifting weights, you know, all the things that you and I talk about. Um, And he felt the same. He said to, he said to Lane, you know, I, I, I feel like I've got so much experience and stories and i want to share it to people because i know people are struggling yes. but i also i don't necessarily feel the confidence to yes. you know how i don't have the science so you know those two are going to collaborate and i think that is great but i also think the personal stories and it sounds like you are aligned with all of the um i guess the people that are experts in this yes. space and that is awesome
2: <laughs> so <Sorry>. because <laughs> you'd be like ah, i gotta go <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> you just do cardio and you barely eat For 20 years, I did it the way women were taught. Mm -hmm. All I heard was calories in versus calories out. So I overexercised, I Mm underate and I was like, what the hell? Like, I was so frustrated because I'm like, I work out seven days a week uh, and work out, I mean, elliptical or treadmill only (laughs) because men are in the weight room and women are just supposed to do cardio. Like I felt like I had to sweat and I ate salads and I barely snacked because I was like saving my calories because it would be less calories for the end of the day. I was 20 pounds heavier and Mm -hmm. my whole life was devoted to being skinnier. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I live now, nothing is off limits. And I enjoy my life. I have cocktails daily. I lift and I weigh 20 pounds less, not trying as hard. And that's why I'm like the woman on the treadmill seven days a week and not eating like I yeah. can help. I, I have to share this. Like for me uh, 10 years ago, that was like, what the hell? And frustrated. There's a different way. And I don't feel like it's what women have been taught.
1: Yep. Absolutely. I can, I completely resonate with everything that you just said. Uh, I was definitely uh, one of the cardio bunnies as well. <laughs> um, probably not quite to that, um, the, that degree. I, I quickly, and thankfully I quickly found resistance training. So uh, I didn't spend a whole lot of time in that um, space. And luckily, but other people have not been so lucky as I, um, they have gotten stuck in that place. So I know that I did uh, a lot of unfavorable things to my body, to my metabolism. I know I lost a lot of muscle um, and I had a lot of metabolic adaptation. And because I tried to do everything extreme, you know, like you, it was extreme um, exercise, extreme deficits. Um, whilst we can do that for a short period of time, like I'm sure any, anyone listening, you know, you've probably been able to commit to a pretty rough diet for a couple of weeks, right? But you, you only have so much staying power. And what happens when that staying power is gone? You automatically go back to the old behaviors. And because you've created a situation, a very unique uh, hormonal milieu, uh, so to speak, where now we've not only got um, the mind that we're trying to overcome because we've been restricting, we're trying to you know re- refrain from certain foods. So there's you know the, um, the desire to eat. You've now got hormonal changes that have been taking place. If you have lost an appreciable amount of body fat, now you've got low leptin because when we lose a little bit of body, body fat, our leptin levels plummet. And that hormone at low levels is what then signals our brain to eat. And it's a strong signal. And the longer you've been refraining from food, the lower the calorie intake, the more fat you have lost. It's really hard to then control your appetite uh, once you've gotten through that little short, uh, extreme diet phase and that specific um i guess uh, situation or condition uh, is called hyperphagia it is when you have the de- you have d- the desire to eat more than is required and it doesn't necessarily stop even with the uh, body fat regain in fact we've seen in studies and i was actually privy to being a, a participant in one of these um reverse dieting studies here at the university of south florida And some of the participants, um, 20 weeks post show. So this was all done in natural bodybuilders, Mm -hmm. um, at 20 weeks after their show, uh, 50% of those, uh, individuals that had reverse dieted, um, had regained their body fat and, or more. So they were back to being a heavier weight than they started with their leptin was still low. It was still lower than their baseline. So even for some individuals and it wasn't all, but for some people there's a lag. So if you're struggling with, why am I still hungry? I've gained this weight back after that diet. Why can't I stop eating? I just want to, I've just finished my meal. I put the bowl down and I want to have another serving. Mm -hmm. What is wrong with me? It's not necessarily that there's something wrong with you. (laughs) It is that we've created this extreme deficit and it makes perfect sense as to why we are now feeling so hungry because we've created an environment that drives us to eat and it doesn't necessarily return to normal uh, immediately based on all of the the
2: information that we have. Again, not a professional. So correct me if I'm wrong. This is what I have found. I was never satisfied. And like looking back, I I wasn't satisfied because I was eating low carb, high protein, no sugar bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I would eat all of it because mm-hmm. I would, I would say in my mind, Oh, it's low carb. And it's, it, so I would eat <laughs> the whole thing. And I would, my brain was, I feel, I feel like my brain was never satisfied. So I would just keep eating more. And now I truly Holly order what I want on the menu. And mm-hmm. I don't even need that much. And it's like, my brain is like, Oh, we got actual food. You mm-hmm. you'd be surprised. Like when you order, like I always thought I had to order salad with grilled chicken dressing on the mm-hmm. side and never satisfied. Cause I'm eating mm-hmm. this bland bullshit. And I would eat way more, just mm-hmm. justifying that it was like healthy food. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I I can I can relate to that as well, and
1: I'm sure a lot of people listening can. Yes. So, yeah, I think when people kind of come to realize, and especially those that might have uh, come from a background where they had the beliefs that there are truly good and bad foods, or you know, there are certain restrictions around meal timing that must be superior, and for the record, they're not. Um, The people that are now moving across from that mindset into a flexible dieting approach uh, and recognizing that, hey, you know what? Energy balance is a thing. Um, As long as I hit my protein and I'm pretty close to my calories, you know, the ratio of my carbohydrates and fats, it really doesn't matter a whole bunch. You know, you can have incredible results either way. Um, So what happens for these people, and I was like that. I remember going into a GNC for the first time when I came to America when I was 21, and I'm, it was like, Ooh! you know, it, it was like the the halo in the store, the, the choirs the in the background. Like mm-hmm. it was like, wow, this is amazing. Look at all this color. And they had um, they just started like developing better uh, protein bars. So the first protein bar that I ever had, for the record, was a Masashi bar, and it was called Growling Dog, and it tasted like cardboard. <laughs> so protein bars have come a long way since then. I remember looking at the flavors and I was like, oh, peanut butter brownies. Oh, cake butter. Oh, salted caramel crunch, you know, uh-huh. all these really decadent flavors. And I'm thinking I looked at the back and I remember going, wow, there's a good amount of protein in there. Oh, yeah, the carbs, fats are OK. And, you know, I, I strictly kind of just ate those. It was like, I was a kid in, you know, a candy store and like you, I would have one of those. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, yeah, of course I'm starving because think about the size of a bar, it's tiny. So I'd have another one. And then, you know, because I was trying to stay away from, you know, real foods, Um, That were, you know, I assumed to be more calorie dense. I just got myself into this cycle where I was eating foods that um, ended up not being very satisfying. They were super low dietary fiber and I was constantly hungry. So I think um, the biggest transition for people that it might be stuck in that place is moving like you back to, you know, whole foods. And it's amazing how much more satiating. And enjoyable and how much pleasure you can get out of a whole meal. But it is, you know, it's about being smart with your food choices. If you are, you know, trying to lose a little bit of body fat for health reasons, for physique, aesthetic reasons, so be it. Um, you know, I think choosing foods that are intentionally uh, going to satiate you, but it's important to do the work, find things that you like. You've Mm -hmm. got to be able to sustain it long-term. Otherwise, you're just going to keep finding yourself back in this cycle of restrict, binge, restrict, binge. And the longer you do it, the foods that are on the no list or the restricted list or that you can't really have them very often because, you know, they're too bad, they've got too many calories – they end up working their way up the pedestal of foods and now now, yeah, now you stand in the pantry and I've got two kids now and we have about 50 different boxes of cereals. We have about 20 different flavors of cookies and chips and Pringles and just, you know, fun stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember when I first came over here and experienced being a step parent and having kids in my house as a bodybuilder, I was like, (laughs) I just remember being in horror. I'm like, how am I going to do this contest prep? (laughs) There's all these temptations. What Uh on earth am I going to do? And, you know, I think initially when I wasn't educated about, you know, how to overcome an eating disorder, I would restrict, I would put them away. I would not buy them. I would put them out of sight because I didn't want the temptation. But eventually what I realized is that in order for me to have a neutral relationship with these foods, where I don't feel controlled, bound, restricted by them, mm-hmm. was I had to face them. I had to normalize them again. And yes. for, I remember, like, so many times thinking, "Why is this so hard?" I think I expected I was going to be able to recover from a fifteen-year eating disorder in like exactly a day. Right. You mm-hmm. know, a, high, yeah. um, a perfectionist, high, you know, high achiever. You, you
2: firstborn, Holly. Uh, yes, I knew it. It's a thing. <laughs> I, First of yeah. more, none of my sisters had any of this stuff. Uh-huh. There's have, pressure it, it, on us elders. <laughs> exactly. It, it, I knew you were first one. You got to set the lead. I guess. <laughs> I <know>. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you've got to make sure that the other siblings get as much punishment as you did. So you've got to set
2: a really high standard after you've been in trouble. Or maybe they didn't struggle because they saw what we went through. And they yeah. Were like, yeah. They're, like, oh. they're they're a little too perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You make them part of your lifestyle
1: yeah you really i really had to and i think um, one of the things that i work through a lot with clients is normalizing it and i think i always start by saying hey look this is going to be one of the most challenging things that you're ever going to have to work through and depending on the you know the severity the duration that you've struggled that you've suffered how high up on the pedestal these you know foods are Like be prepared to fail, not just once, not twice, but multiple times because that is normal. You know, you have to be able to practice and, you know, think about anything that you do for the first time that's new. You mess it up every now and then. Mm -hmm. And I think I struggled with myself internally because I thought there was something wrong with me that I couldn't do it fast enough. And then eventually, you know, I started seeking um, therapy with an expert in food psychology and it was like poof, mind blowing. All the things that she told me. To mind. How was I this naive? <laughs> really, you Programmed
2: yeah. that way. Are, it's a mental
1: illness. Yeah, and it and it takes so much time to rewire your mind to change your not only your thought, but then that thought has to become a belief, and for that thought to become a belief. Uh, Based on all the studies that we have available that look at like um, uh, neuropsychology, it takes about 60 days um, for a repeated daily uh, thought to become an ingrained, um, I guess, part of your mindset or a belief. So it goes from your conscious thought. It moves down during that time to your uh, subconscious, and then it moves into your non-conscious mind. And it's when it finally gets down to that non-conscious mind that you are now convinced and you, you. this is my new belief. And my new belief is I love my body. I love it. I respect it. Doesn't matter what it looks like, when it is, if I have mistakes, I love it always. And I can tell you two years ago, mm-mm, I yes. was disgusted at myself. Like I use that word. I'm disgusted yeah. at myself. I look so bad. So mm-hmm. it takes time.
2: Yes. That's what I think too. Like being in like the bodybuilding, like figure world yeah. And having that noise, like you're literally being judged. You were up there and they are like, mm, mm-hmm. like my mind, like I don't think I could have done it. Like being in that headspace, like <laughs> if I didn't win, yeah. like, what's wrong with me? And like, how did you not almost like go back to your former ways?
0: More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this.
2: Guys, we're moms. We're not out on the town every night anymore. We're chasing our toddlers through our kitchen. But there are those times where you want just that little extra something. Maybe it's a girl's night, a wedding, a date night, a work event. If you're looking for that little extra confidence boost, you need RejuvaLift. RejuvaLift delivers dramatic results to minimize the look of lines, wrinkles, crow's feet, those 11 lines that I have between my eyebrows. I use it on the bags under my eyes. Guys, it works in four minutes and delivers results up to seven hours. I've tried it. I'm obsessed. And now Squats and Margaritas listeners can get 20% off at rejuvaliftbeauty.com using code margaritas. That's R-E-J-U-V-A liftbeauty.com and use promo code margaritas. You need this in your life. Shipping is free. You get 20% off. Go to rejuvaliftbeauty.com.
0: Now back to squats and margaritas.
1: So this is a really interesting story and I'm actually going to write a book about it because it is a full 360. And you know, people always say to you, um, I'm sure you get asked all the time, like, what do you, what would you tell your old self? Or Mm -hmm. do you have any regrets? You know, about the, the choices that you've made and lots of people knowing now that I had an eating disorder and that I was still competing at the time. They're like, why did you do that? And I, the answer that I would give is I, at the time thought that it was a way to manage my physique and I fully emerged myself in that sport thinking that it would help me, but not really realizing that the help I needed was psychological, not the physical exterior. So I was working on all the, the superficial stuff, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't doing the work on my mind. And it wasn't until I started reading, getting regular therapy, and I can say hand on heart, I have had weekly therapy for about coming up to three years now. Mm -hmm. So I still do it. Now it's maintenance. It's like anything. If you stop doing something, you lose that skill. You get out of touch and you have to pull yourself back in at times. And I don't think you ever truly... Recover, but what you do do is you get better at developing uh, different uh, thought processes, you start developing different neurological pathways, you start getting better at managing the causes, the things that might um, cause you to overeat or binge. And that might look very different for uh, different people. Like you might present to me as a client. And you might say, Holly, I'm really struggling at the moment with feeling um, overweight. Uh, I'm not happy with my body. I can't stop eating. So, and it's like, oh wow, there's so many people with the same problem. Mm -hmm. But you have to dig a little bit deeper and you can go, well, what's the why? And that why can look so different for so many people. It could be emotional related. Um, Some people don't know how to manage their emotions. So if they're stressed, um, upset, angry, frustrated, they're procrastinating, they've got anxiety, it could be any kind of emotion, sadness, um, they turn to eating. And those conditions on their own, like those emotions are very different to treat. Some people eat or end up overeating because they are responding to something social, like are they out in a you know group setting and they just feel pressure because everybody else is, you know, I'm, I just want to fit in. So people will overeat because of that. And then we've also got individuals that are really influenced by their environment might be that you're working in a, a cafe or something or near in an area where there's lots of food available or it smells amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that's, and that's why you eat, or you've got lots of kids junk foods like I do in my pantry <laughs> right. and you're just like, Babe. Oh, really? Another bowl of cereal, Holly? Really? <laughs> so yeah, I think it's so important for people to look at why am I overeating? What's the cause of that? And that's where you should be starting your work. Not necessarily, Ah, oh, well, it's caused me to gain weight, so I'm gonna start a diet. My first thing to people is if you're gonna do that, that's fine, but you also need to be spending an equal, if not more, disproportionate amount of time on your mindset. Because so many people think that when they get to this end goal, their you know body weight that something magically happens Mm -hmm. and they're going to feel amazing it's like when i just get to that dress size or when i can go away on a holiday and i'm as slim as my friend or you know my husband will think i look great and i'll have a better time as somebody that has been in that (laughs) exact situation where i've gone from 75 kilos in my off season after doing a build which is 155 pounds something like that down to 130 getting on stage peeled lean uh, it ain't that fun. (laughs) Uh, let me just give you a quick list of the things that are not so good. You have no libido. You don't sleep. If you do sleep, you're going to wake up easily. Your sleep, um, I guess, quality decreases significantly. Uh, you're constantly hungry. You're always thinking about food. You become obsessed with food. You look at all the food channels, you're addicted. It's, and then your husband's like, Oh, well, hello. Am I even here? Um, and then we've got like decreases in strength, low energy, low motivation, poor mood.
2: Isn't like, like fertility, like you lose your yeah, period?
1: Yeah, now you're, there's hormonal shifts. Now yeah. you're amenorrheic. Like there's mm-hmm. so many negatives from getting to that lean um, body composition mm-hmm. that I don't think people truly have an appreciation of. And I can understand because not that many people are pro athletes. So, you know, as the outsider looking in, yeah, it looks freaking insane. And you probably <laughs> yeah. see the amount of work that they do. And yes, it's impressive. But it's not sustainable. Uh, And if they are sustaining it, I'd hate to think um, what's going on up in their mind or the sacrifices that they have to make to maintain that. Because, I mean, for me as a business owner, you talked about it earlier, you know, I've shifted back to a focus on work and trying to be, you know, have a family, which I didn't have before. Um, If I was to maintain that physique, I would honestly have killed myself.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's not
1: worth it. Yeah, it, it really isn't. So it's a big sacrifice. Um, but, you know, I think people, the, the main reason usually is, oh, well, I'll feel I'll be um, treated equally. Or when I get to this weight, I'll feel worthy. I'll feel valued. Um, I'll be yes. happy, like insert whatever the thing is <laughs> at the end that you think it's going to get. Mm-hmm. And You can get that without it if you work on your mind. Mm -hmm. So it's like the alternative to dieting is mindset work because I could be the same weight and within a year of therapy, I could be 10 times happier um,
2: just by doing that instead
1: of even going through the the pain of dieting, which it's hard.
2: You're striving for Mm -hmm. a feeling that you think you'll get from being thin. Like you said, I'll feel noticed or I'll feel you want to feel noticed. You don't want that. It's like, you're looking for that.
1: You're not recognition, attention. Yes. Yes. You can get value something else. Right. Yeah. And And so many people end up that becomes their identity. Yeah. And it's, it's really sad. Um, and I have worked with a lot of pros that are kind of coming out or people that are retiring. Um, and they are the ones that I hit the hardest. It's like when a remember, imagine a pro athlete retires My, my husband,
2: <laughs> yeah, okay, I see I see a helmet up there. He was be- a pro bowl linebacker in the NFL. Know, oh wow. For 9 years. And then you just don't have anything on your plate and you just wake up and people are like, "Oh, it's amazing. You're retired at 32." And I'm like, "It is not amazing." It's yeah, not that amazing right. what I'm watching right now because you just lost. <laughs> I feel like that's why Tom Brady went
1: back. Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> what, what, why Tom Brady One went. day at the grocery store with his wife and kids <laughs> and he's like, "Nope.
0: No. Sign me back up." Yes, it's exactly. real normal. Life. They don't I don't care do
2: how it. to do anything else. Like, that's their identity. That's what they've always done. Exactly. Really yeah. Seen. And it, it, that's the, I mean, it relates perfectly to
1: why we see, you know, a lot of these people struggling. It's like the more extreme, um, whether it's in like your business, relationships, um, you know, your nutrition, your go- personal goals, finances, it's like the more extreme you get to, the harder it is to, to go back and to change. It's just really hard to kind of come out of that because that was their identity. Yes. Um, so there's a lot of mindset change that needs to go on. So I'm a big advocate for, you know, professional athletes uh, and I encourage all, especially the bodybuilders or anyone that is in a weight category sport where, you know, you have to be mm-hmm. a certain, you know, gymnastics. I always encourage them to do the mind work as well. So they're going to have their coach for the sport to do the skill. They've probably got someone, you know, working on the nutrition, but oh, having the mindset for, Hey, this isn't forever. So we've got to get you skilled in this other thing. And also recognize that this isn't just your identity. You, you have other talents. You can be other things. You can also be happy without that. Like you have to learn that skill.
2: Yes. It's so, scary though, to like yeah. have to think or just like, you and I like in the disordered eating realm, like I used to throw up my food. It's very Mm -hmm. scary to think about, like, if I'm not controlling it that much and just letting myself have cereal in the house and all these things, I mean, now I I'm good, but for a while it, you don't, you have to like, your body has to trust you again. You have to trust yourself. And Mm -hmm. like you said, making these things off limits makes Mm -hmm. them on the pedestal. It's all Mm -hmm. you want. And when I live that way, you can talk about cortisol. Like my body lived in a state of stress Mm -hmm. for 20 years in pursuit of this physical ideal. Like I would, we'd be on vacation and I'd set my alarm to get a run in. Um, we'd Mm -hmm. be going to restaurants and I'm looking up the menu to make sure Mm. there's something that I would eat. And if you're living in all that stress in pursuit of this physical ideal, I Mm -hmm. never found it. And now Mm -hmm. it's like, when you calm the F down Mm -hmm. and you lose that cortisol, you order what you want. And it sounds like, so Counterintuitive. Like when I was trying harder and stressing it, I never found my yeah. physical ideal.
1: And I think part of that is because it's like, it is so uh, psychological uh, and it doesn't really leave you when you tend to ruminate on it. You know, if you stuff something up or if it isn't perfect for the type A perfectionist, you know, it's like, you know, then there's the self defeatist uh, mindset, which is like, well, I stuffed it up. So, all right, I'll have three cheesecakes, please. You know, and then it's, and then you set yourself back another week. So then there's the regret and the anxiousness and the, ah, it's just yucky. There isn't a nice thing about it. No, Um, there's never going to be perfect. And I think the is people really back themselves into a corner and it is just absolutely unrealistic to ever feel like you are enough in that mindset. Mm-hmm. Oh
2: my God. that's And I'm so glad you said that. Like, it's like when you break it, or, like break it. Cause it's a diet. Like I would eat a cookie or something and then just feel so terrible about it. Then you go eat all the cookies and you start over on Monday. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, eat a cookie and move on. You don't have to finish all the cookies. It's mm-hmm. how I feel about drinking too. Like squats and mm-hmm. margaritas. I'll say like, mm-hmm. I have a drink every day. And yeah. people are like, you drink every day. And I'm like, when you have a drink every day, it's not as that's not Anything. a big deal. <laughs> it's not a big like, oh my God, it's my wine night. It used to be like Saturday night. Then you Here pick, we go. you're hung over, you drink all the wine because wine <laughs> is off limits on Monday. And that is, I'm talking to myself. Like that is how I used to live. <laughs> to be completely honest, um, and it probably is gonna kill my brand, but I am like sober curious. And oh. I've been trying to, I don't think I'll ever be sober, but I read this book. I'm actually talking to the author on Monday called this naked mind. And it's like, you're training your subconscious to not even want alcohol. And Mm -hmm. I have drastically reduced how much I've drank and I just feel so much better, but I I don't think I'll ever be sober for me and my mindset and my history. I don't want to say sober because then that is that's making it extreme and it's going to make me want it. So now I'd be like, um, I will never say that because it doesn't work for me. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And it's funny that you say like you're, you're sober curious. I think, um, For a lot of people, I think that kind of have had that um, extreme dieting approach and it's like, okay, well, if I'm going to start my diet, um, I'm not going to have any of these foods and they'll, they'll cut out alcohol. Yeah. And I know for me, like for the longest time, I, I really didn't have it. And like, as an athlete growing up to, you know, I was competing, I was doing like meets on the weekends and that was right up until about age 20. And then I was like, finally, I need to need a good job. So I, I stopped. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when that happened, it was like, Whoa, like, here's this thing that I've missed out on. And you tend to go back the other way. And even during my stressful times now, um, I'm probably throwing myself under a bus here, but sometimes I still have a hard day too, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> no way. No. So, um, you know, I've, I've kind of kicked the food, um, you know, as the coping strategy, mm-hmm. but I've definitely felt at times myself kind of gravitating over to, you know, I'll just have a third glass of wine. I'll just – I, I have had a bottle – of wine on my own a couple of times insane. and
2: thank you for but, saying that me yeah too. <laughs> it's easier like, but I, and i'm
1: getting up and training i'm like I hitting know. squats and deadlifts yep. the next day which is it's not as fun absolutely it's hard yeah but i think um that's a really good um you know point for me to kind of reflect and i do a little bit of journaling it's not something i used to do but i've actually found it to be very helpful to kind of a slow me down I need slowing down because i'm the yes person i'm the the d- driver of the bus we are go 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 like i am yep. you know on a mission to change the world and uh it forces me to stop and that was one of the things that i struggled with with my eating disorder was you know i'm so wound up so stressed so overthinking that i would get into this mindless state where i, I don't even really recall eating it was like it was all happening. I could feel myself eating. I was going back for a 20th servings of ice cream, maybe the whole tub. Now I'm yes. making cereal with ice cream in the cereal. Yes. And like, it was like, I was just numbing something and I wasn't even in my body. So um I have goosebumps. That's exactly uh, what
2: it it's like you're it, watching yourself, but it's not yes. you and you, you're and part
1: like, of you is like, you should stop. And then the other's like, yeah. but you should keep eating. <laughs> and then you just, keep, you just kept going. Yes. And now you zone like, out. I, I have to bring myself back to that awareness. So if I'm like stressed because that's my habit, I used to eat. Mm -hmm. So I have to slow down and I have to ask myself, okay, why are you wanting to eat right now, Holly? Are you actually hungry? and sometimes it's a yes so i'll eat Uh, and then sometimes it's a you're just procrastinating because you don't want to write up that work contract (laughs) and i'm like okay so i probably shouldn't eat right now that's when i say no you don't need to have that cookie um so there's always times where i'm like questioning myself and it's not with judgment it's with curiosity yeah um i'm approaching it with curiosity and then i kind of make a decision after i've said is this environmental and if I, i can say yes or no Emotional, yes or no? Hunger, yes or no? And then I make my decision, and that's already slowed me down. So that's been a huge help.
2: I love that. I also
1: love the uh, hunger fullness scale. So that was one that I learned probably a couple of years ago now, but it really helped. And it was when I sit sit down. First off, I used to eat on the run as I'm in the kitchen on a phone call, multitasking, Uh (laughs) cleaning, washing, I don't know, and. I, yeah, I used to stand up and eat. So now I sit down and I ask myself, okay, on a scale of one to 10, how full am I right? Or how hungry am I right now? And I give myself a score. It might be a six, uh, might be an eight if I haven't eaten all, all, all morning. And then I decide, okay, when I finish this meal, where do I want to be? And then, you know, obviously no one wants to be at a 10. That's pretty yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, I used to go to and-
2: like 11 and then yeah. throw
1: it up. I would go to 50 and be <laughs> like, it was sick. It was sick I how much food you could eat in a small matter of time. Yes. Um, like three or 4,000 calories in like 20 minutes. It yeah. was like same. that's what i used to be and i feel disgusted about myself stage but I, thankfully same. we've i've moved past that mm-hmm. but just being able to then be like bring your awareness and have intention with you when you're eating so i really work on okay if i'm going to go downstairs stop just grazing stop staying at the fridge mm-hmm. what meal are you going to have because you know that's going to provide you some, with some like satiation it's mm-hmm. going to give you know make sure you pick some fiber let's fill that stomach up uh, make Protein, sure that it, you know right, it looks so good yeah lot. absolutely proteins another one for satiation and, you know, I like a hot meal. I didn't realize that I liked hot breakfast, so now everything's hot uh, because I hated the idea of, like, you know, a big salad. And I was like, well, I probably I didn't like veggies. I hated them, believe it or not, as a dietician hates veggies. Um, so about age 25, I'm 33 now, I just started to realize that if I'm going to eat veggies and improve my health and my digestion and it's going to be good for my calorie balance, it's going to help me stay at a healthy body weight that's not going to put me at risk of all these diseases, I need to eat some more veggies. I need to get them. So yeah, I started doing stir fries, and now I've got like fifty different sauces. I use the same kind of medley of veggies every day, and yeah. you know it's it's satiating. Yes. I mean, it's, not, it's not the only thing I eat, but you know it was about um, you know trying to find something that actually would get me to that that eight on the fullness scale, mm-hmm. and then I'd, I'd walk away. And if I was still hungry, I might make another one, and then I'd decide again. Okay, what meal is going to get me to that little that next little spot? So those are some really helpful strategies. But I think for most of us, the biggest thing is being able to stop yourself yes. without allowing yourself and enabling you to get to this. I don't know. How would you describe it? <laughs> you know, that state when you're, it's like absolutely out of your body. I,
2: exactly how you described it. I had <laughs> <laughs> like you're up, up above, like hovering over yourself, watching this. It's like a fog. You yeah. Just kinda, you check your haze mm-hmm. and yes, what you just described. I didn't know about the actual scale. Cause as I mentioned, I didn't go mm-hmm. to treatment, but mm-hmm. what I do now, I always tell my fish tacos story. If there is fish tacos on the menu, I get them and <laughs> I get them exactly as they're prepared with cheese, sour cream, mm-hmm. all the things. And I, I eat one. And then I take that second and typically mm-hmm. I'm not satisfied. So I'll eat two, but mm-hmm. they give you four. Mm-hmm. so I'll take two home. What I mm-hmm. used to do, Holly, would, would be fish tacos, but no cheese, no sour cream. Oh. So I'm eating fish in a tortilla. Oh. I would eat them all because again, I'm justified. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it's fat free. My brain is not satisfied. I ate more calories because I ate all of them. I didn't enjoy it. Now I get yeah. It. It's not it's not giving you the pleasure that no. it's meant to. Yeah. So the fish tacos with everything on it, but I eat two mm. and I take two home, and it's like because I increase my metabolism and I'm lifting now, I'm mm-hmm. hungry in an hour and I eat mm-hmm. the other two, but I don't like bomb my body with four right then. Yeah. Because I check in, I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm not just. Are you eating just because there's food still on your plate, or are you mm-hmm. just taking that second to be? mindful, um, mm-hmm. is exactly like that. That changed everything for me. Like, I hate that. It's almost been an hour. I could talk to you all day. Can <laughs> you talk about lifting at all? Oh since my gosh. Yeah. I, since that's that kind of like, what I do <laughs> because I'm not a trainer. I, I would love for you to talk on why women should put muscle on their body. Okay. So first off, let's just, I'm,
1: I'm sure you've probably heard it enough now based on all the fitness people that are catching on and cottoning on to the idea that lifting is good you're not going to get big and bulky. Um, the people that you see that look big and bulky are probably on steroids. I'm just (laughs) going to say any woman that looks like they're like, okay, she's pretty massive. She's probably on steroids. It's not that uncommon, especially the women that are above like age 40, because back then when bodybuilding was, you know, mostly men, it was predominantly a male like driven sport. Mm -hmm. There were far fewer women in that sport. So, um, honestly this is like based on some of the studies that we've got on like you know historically what does bodybuilding look like so um you're not going to get like that <laughs> it takes like i have tried and tried and tried and yeah, tried and tried you to tried
2: put, your genetics yeah. are not going to do that
1: no everybody has a genetic ceiling and they it basically would require you to be training five or six days two hours every day um and you know doing everything by you know the book for your nutrition and you're sleeping perfectly, you're not stressed, you know, you've got a, you know, you've got a really good sense of balance and that's not that many of us. So (laughs) um, yeah, lifting it, look outside of, let's just quickly go to the the health benefits, psychologically, um, uh, exercise, uh, any kind of exercise, whether it's walking, lifting, uh, anything is uh, going to give you some positive uh, mental health benefits. Um, that is very clear Uh, people that are um, prescribed activity that are in a state of depression are likely to come out of that state of depression they're um, i guess using their subjective scoring tools and scales Um, you know at the beginning of the studies they'll be you know ranked very low like a one or two and at the end of the intervention um, with some counseling um, and that's counseling and exercise or just exercise alone obviously exercise alone was great results but then exercise and counseling even better results from a, a mental health perspective. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Uh, obviously, looking at all of the different uh, causes of mortality, um, you know, different types of cancers, uh, cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, you know, your going to benefit yourself by lifting. And part of that is because number one, if you have more muscle, um, hopefully you're active and you're keeping your body fat uh, at bay. It's not getting to the point where we're now starting to see, you know, metabolic disease, Um, but muscle also drives your BMR. So your basal metabolic requirements. So that is your body's uh, energy needs just at rest, like you're sleeping. So the more muscle we have, it is a far more energetically costly, um, uh, I guess, tissue compared to something like body fat. So if you can lift and you can add more muscle to your frame, now your day-to-day energy requirements, even at rest are more. So guess what? That means you get you to eat, eat more. <laughs> Yay! For those that's of us that like eating.
2: My one like smart thing that I sound smart saying is like muscle is the most metabolically active tissue on your body. Yes. So the more you have, <laughs> the more you can eat. So I'm trying to like talk to the woman that's like on the cardio machine or yeah. like you, I listened to a podcast you did recently. You lift like four times a week, like strength train and you like, walk. And -hmm. that's it. That's the cardio. For you, yeah. you d- it's not cardio. Like, look at your body. And, like I just want to spread this message because for so long, I thought you just had to sweat. And then I was mm-hmm. pissed off because I was not losing weight. And I was thinking about all food. the time we wasted dying. Yes. In a, in a group. And dieting, yes. <laughs> not eating and doing cardio. And like, if somebody, can you imagine when you were 20, somebody's like, you should lift weights and eat a lot more? You'd be like, get the fuck yeah. out of uh, here. Exactly. <laughs> you would be like, whatever. And like, oh, I'm trying to help you. You're going to figure it out. In yeah. Years. Yeah. That's what we can do for the women listening to this that are uh-huh. still in that. like. I know that there is such a there's an
1: element of that that is also around the enjoyment too, and um, I think I've I've struggled, and again, um, you know, over the years as I've matured as a coach, I think when I was young back in my early days, um, I would definitely like subject my clients to my own personal biases, and I would <laughs> go the opposite extreme. Thankfully, I don't do that now. I'm very much client inclusive process, but. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, you can't be doing any of that cardio anymore. So like, we just (laughs) got to stop. You just have to lift. I don't like it. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm like, well, I had success just doing this. So I was like, who cares whether you, you know, your best friend really wants you to go and you're doing it just to support your friend or I was like, no, you can't do it. So I've definitely come a long way and stepped back. So, you know, a part of sustainability is the enjoyment of the sport as well. So, um, yes, resistance training is excellent for helping to add muscle to your frame Um, but if you also really enjoy going for a run because that is your stress mechanism like that's oh sorry that's your stress coping that's me um yes like that's do it if that makes you feel good if it's just a a 20 or 30 minute run maybe do it a couple of times a week at a fairly low intensity
2: Yes, like that's Fine, it's not, it's going not for to for weight into, loss. That's, no, you're not. You're doing it for like mental health,
1: right? Or maybe it is a form that you're, you're choosing to do a little bit of cardio for some fat loss. Because yes, at the end of the day, the goal uh, for fat loss is to be in a calorie deficit. So we can do that through our nutrition, or we can do it through exercise. So mm-hmm. the benefit of resistance training um, is a, it's going to expend calories, guys. Wow, believe it or not. So yes, you can lose weight from lifting if you've been sedentary before or low active. Before and you switch to resistance training, yes, you can lose fat because you're expending calories. But the double benefit of resistance training is that it is also a modality of uh, activity that stimulates and does what your body needs to build muscle. Whereas just doing cardio, yes, it expends the calories, it's great, but it doesn't have that effect. There'd be very few forms of cardio, true cardiovascular exercise that can have an equivalent, you know, hypertrophy type outcome. The only sport that I can really think of off the top of my head is probably like Olympic level cycling. I don't know if you've seen their quads, but it's like, whoa, (laughs) they look like tree stumps. Yeah, tree (laughs) stumps. they're they're insane. But that's at the Olympic level. If you're just getting on your spin class bike on a Wednesday, 40 minutes, no. I think those are probably the main things um that can benefit you and of course um from an aesthetic perspective not that that's you know everybody's reason for exercising but um it also gives you the shape I think so many women um expect that when they lose their body fat that that's the body up that they they want no, but that's skinny you know fat. they get skinny fat yeah <laughs> that's a very common term so you know that's one of the things that we really need to focus on if you do want to create some shape if you want to get nice glutes or big jacked shoulders like you're not going to do that from running but
2: or um, lifting light. And yes. again, I'm not a trainer. So don't go and pick <laughs> up huge weights, but when I was lifting, I was like I just want to tone. I don't want to get bulky. I would yeah. lift like 10s or 12s. I have yeah. a muscle. Look at it. I have hey, a concept. Look at that. She I got to like 25s and I was like, "No, if you are not being challenged, if mm-hmm. you always pick up the 15s mm-hmm. and you can get through 15 reps like please go up. Like I promise you, I never had any tone. You're not going to bulk. You're going to tone, but you have to lift heavy enough.
1: Yeah. And I think that's one of the benefits of getting, um, some kind of supported training, like working with a, uh, an expert or a professional where you're, pro- you're not just going into the gym and I'm a sucker for this. I did it when I was 21. I'd just go in with my boyfriend and he'd be like, go up to the ladies room. Don't come down here. I don't want all the, <laughs> the guys looking at you. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I'd be up there doing my 10 pounds, you know, lateral yes. raises. And I think I did the same workout for like a year. Cause I didn't know what to do and yes. I never progressed. That's for sure. So yes. get a program that progressively Increases, progressive overload is essential if you want to see adaptations or hypertrophy adaptations. Um, and, you know, using a scale is really helpful. So, the way that I write programs, and we've got this on our workout builder is we'll use either our perceived rate of exertion which is abbreviated to rpe or we'll use um, rir which is our repetitions in reserve so you know through a six-week training block for instance you might start week one you know you're starting a new program the exercises might be different so you don't want to go in too heavy and aggressive because you might end up very sore so you know you might have an rpe you know seven for week one and you're only doing two sets but by the week six, you've progressed up to three or four sets, maybe four sets just for the big compound lifts and your RPE training intensity. You're now at an eight and a half or a nine, maybe even a nine and a half. If it's a, an intentional period where you're like, I'm going to build some muscle.
2: Yeah. So structured programs. Heck yes. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of uh, structured programs, you have an app. Yes. Where do people find that? Oh my goodness. Um, carbon diet.
1: so I would the, the nutrition coaching app is carbon diet coach, Um, that's available on iOS, Android, uh, and is on anywhere you'd find those things, (laughs) Uh, but everything, everything is available on my Instagram page. I'll give you a link in a sec, but the training um, program is called the workout builder. Uh, and that is currently a web-based platform, but it looks and feels just like an app. We are going to be getting an app very soon, but we're just going to complete overhaul of all of our services. And I am in love. They are so cool, (laughs) like new graphics. It's just, just fun. And like, I want it attention to detail like oh you you can't miss a beat with that and then uh yeah we've got a bunch of other stuff but all of it is on uh, my Instagram page which is just holly T Baxter. and then
2: there's a link with everything so okay yeah. and i've had you for an hour i'm going to close it with squats and margaritas is about trying to find the balance you're running multiple companies you've mm-hmm. got kids involved you have a, a marriage you have to you have your body to keep up with how do you strive to find the balance in your life with all of that
1: there is no sense of balance (laughs) okay (laughs) and admitting that being okay with that having that expectation you will never be perfect you can never do it all Um, it is about triaging having priorities learning to um, change direction when something else needs attention and learning to manage my stress and, uh, knowing that I am enough, even if all of those things are going to shit.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the squats and margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So you never miss an episode and I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of squats and margaritas.